the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, a collection of 66 different books by around 40 different authors from many different backgrounds. There were kings and shepherds, soldiers, fishermen, doctors, poets and farmers. Some were young, some old, some rich, and some poor. And they wrote, each reflecting his own personality and style. From a wide variety of life circumstances. All the way from palace thrones and bedrooms. To the dungeons down in the palace basement. From seashores to mountaintops. And to the backsides of dry desert wastelands. In their books, the writers issued hundreds of specific future prophecies, all perfectly fulfilled or awaiting fulfillment. And they discuss every aspect of human life. Hundreds of complicated and controversial topics. And yet, there is a unity and consistency of message in the Bible, from start to finish, that is nothing short of miraculous. Throughout history and today, millions of people around the globe call this book the Holy Bible, the very Word of God. It claims to be a self-revelation of the Supreme Being, the Creator Himself, stepping out of eternity into time and space to tell us and show us what He is like and to let us know His plan for our lives here on earth and in the hereafter. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar is your chance to actually hear, discuss, and decide for yourself about this book, The Bible. Stay tuned, and at the very least, you'll hear the beauty, wisdom, romance, adventure, and intrigue of the world's greatest literature, the best-selling, most translated book of all history. But more importantly, God himself just might speak to your heart and change your life forever. Now, here's the host of The Bible Live, Sophie Dollar. (laughs) Hello, everyone. I'm chuckling because each and every evening we're trying to make sure that we get on the air as well for our friends who listen to the Bible Live each evening via the Internet. If you go to kslr.com, of course, you can always hear our program live streamed, kslr.com, each and every evening at this time. And, of course, you can go back and find the program that you might have missed. Well, glad to have you with us tonight for the Bible Live program. We're going to continue our way through This remarkable fourth gospel, the gospel that in a special way emphasizes the deity of the Messiah. Not only is the Messiah fully and holy and entirely man, he had to be entirely man, but he never ceased being God. Jesus is the only human being that indeed was, in fact, a preexistent spirit, that was a preexistent being who, in fact, did take on flesh. He is the only one. The rest of us are all born in Adam. We were genetically in Adam and Eve. When they fell, then we too were part of their experience. But now it's time for our wisdom and worship reading. We go back to Proverbs chapter 10, the second half, starting at verse 17, with these nuggets of wisdom based on a God-centered worldview. Proverbs 10, 17 through 32. 
People who accept correction are on the pathway to life, but those who ignore it will lead others astray. To hide hatred is to be a liar. To slander is to be a fool. Don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible and turn off the flow. The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The godly give good advice, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. Doing wrong is fun for a fool, while wise conduct is a pleasure to the wise. The fears of the wicked will all come true. So will the hopes of the godly. Disaster strikes like a cyclone, whirling the wicked away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. Lazy people are a pain to their employer. They are like smoke in the eyes or vinegar that sets the teeth on edge. Fear of the Lord lengthens one's life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. The hopes of the godly result in happiness, but the expectations of the wicked are all in vain. The Lord protects the upright, but destroys the wicked. The godly will never be disturbed, but the wicked will be removed from the land. The godly person gives wise advice, but the tongue that deceives will be cut off. The godly speak words that are helpful, but the wicked speak only what is corrupt. End of reading, Proverbs 10, verses 17 through 32. You're everything good in my life. Everything honest and true. And all of those stars hanging up in the sky. You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Oh, hello, everyone. We are back for the Bible Live. Now that we are deeper into the book of the Proverbs there, we get into these couplets, three different types. Some of them are contrasting. They use the word but. And a lot of those tonight in our reading from chapter 10 of Proverbs are using that formulation of but. Fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. It's always contrasting. And then others are comparisons where something is like something or as this is, so is that. The meaning and the application come from the similarities or the comparison between the two statements. And then finally, the couplets complement. Meaning and the application come from the way the second statement complements the first. And it usually has the word and connecting. We can look at some of these and mark them as we go through. Right now, though, let's get ready for our narrative reading. We're going to continue through the Gospel of John. Tonight, we're coming into that very last week of Jesus' life. On that Sunday, first day of the week, he rides into Jerusalem on the back of a young donkey, thus beginning Passion Week which is going to take up about two-thirds of the Gospel of John. And then we'll watch him as he begins that week of teaching and ministering and confronting, of course, the religious leaders in Jerusalem that would lead to his death. The Bible Life, John 12, 12 through 14, 31. John 12. 
The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord! Hail to the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Israel. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. His disciples didn't realize at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered that these scriptures had come true before their eyes. Those in the crowd who had seen Jesus call Lazarus back to life were telling others all about it. That was the main reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this mighty miracle. Then the Pharisees said to each other, We've lost. Look, the whole world has gone after him. Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem to attend the Passover paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. Jesus replied, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. The truth is, a kernel of wheat must be planted in the soil. Unless it dies, it will be alone, a single seed. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who despise their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. All those who want to be my disciples must come and follow me, because my servants must be where I am. And if they follow me, the Father will honor them. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from what lies ahead? But that is the very reason why I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I have already brought it glory, and I will do it again. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus told them, The voice was for your benefit, not mine. The time of judgment for the world has come, when the prince of this world will be cast out. And when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. Die, asked the crowd. We understood from Scripture that the Messiah would live forever. Why are you saying the Son of Man will die? Who is this Son of Man you are talking about? Jesus replied, My light will shine out for you just a little longer. Walk in it while you can, so you will not stumble when the darkness falls. If you walk in the darkness, you cannot see where you are going. Believe in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. But despite all the miraculous signs he had done, most of the people did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom will the Lord reveal his saving power? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, The Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he made this prediction, because he was given a vision of the Messiah's glory. Many people, including some of the Jewish leaders, believed in him, but they wouldn't admit it to anyone because of their fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you are really trusting God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in this dark world, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in darkness. If anyone hears me and doesn't obey me, I am not his judge. 
for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged at the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me gave me his own instructions as to what I should say, and I know his instructions lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John 13. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He now showed the disciples the full extent of his love. It was time for supper, and the devil had already enticed Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to carry out his plan to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, why are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You don't understand now why I am doing it. Some day you will. No, Peter protested, You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, But if I don't wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you are clean, but that isn't true of everyone here. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because it is true. And since I, the Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. How true it is that a servant is not greater than his master, nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them. You know these things. Now do them. That is the path of blessing. I am not saying these things to all of you. I know so well each one of you I chose. The Scriptures declare the one who shares my food has turned against me, and this will soon come true. I tell you this now, so that when it happens, you will believe I am the Messiah. Truly, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was in great anguish of spirit, and he exclaimed, The truth is, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. One of Jesus' disciples, the one Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask who would do this terrible thing. Leaning toward Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus said, It is the one to whom I give the bread dipped in the sauce. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, Hurry, do it now. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for me, the Son of Man, to enter into my glory, and God will receive glory because of all that happens to me, and God will bring me into my glory very soon. Dear children, how brief are these moments before I must go away and leave you. Then, though you search for me, you cannot come to me, just as I told the Jewish leaders.
So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, You can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now, Lord? He asked. I am ready to die for you. Jesus answered, Die for me? No, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. John 14. Don't be troubled. You trust God. Now trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's home, and I am going to prepare a place for you. If this were not so, I would tell you plainly, when everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know where I am going and how to get there. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We haven't any idea where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known who I am, then you would have known who my Father is. From now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even yet know who I am, even after all the time I have been with you? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking to see him? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of what you have seen me do. The truth is, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, because the work of the Son brings glory to the Father. Yes, ask anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you alone. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. In just a little while the world will not see me again, but you will, for I will live again, and you will too. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who obey my commandments are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them, and I will reveal myself to each one of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All those who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and live with them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not do what I say. And remember, my words are not my own. This message is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Counselor as my representative, and by the Counselor I mean the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I myself have told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. 
I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be very happy for me, because now I can go to the Father, who is greater than I am. I have told you these things before they happen, so that you will believe when they do happen. I don't have much more time to talk to you, because the Prince of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me, so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. End of reading John 12, 12 through 14, 31. We have just finished reading John chapter 12, verse 12, through chapter 14, verse 31. His triumphant ride into Jerusalem on the donkey prophesied by Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, if I remember correctly. John says here, a number of the things that happened to Jesus escaped them when they were happening. They did not notice, but later on as they pondered the life of Jesus, after his resurrection and his conquer of death in the grave, And the Holy Spirit came upon them. They remembered many of these events, and they began to connect. Oh, that's why he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. There it is. It's there in the Old Testament. And that's why this happened, and that's why that happened. We, with hindsight, get a chance with the advantage of their perspective to see the events of Jesus' life and ministry and understand them more clearly. On that Thursday evening, they shared the Last Supper or the Passover meal together for the last time. Judas goes out into the night to betray Jesus. Jesus predicts Peter's denial. All of these are prophesied, you see. The betrayal of the Messiah, the fact that his followers would scatter and leave him. In chapter 12, Jesus knows that his death is coming. He knew that it was unpleasant, but that he must do it. For that reason, he said, I was born. He said, my soul is very troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? He could have. He could have called 10,000 angels and escaped. But this is the very reason I came for this moment, to die, to give my life freely and voluntarily in redemptive work of God. I love this part where he says, Father, bring glory to your name. So many people have difficulty with the Trinity. It's not as puzzling as it may seem. God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit, three in one. What does that mean? These are three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Now, remember, these aren't names that define them and limit them. We only know the names that God has chosen to use for himself, the names and titles that he has revealed to us over the centuries that help us in some way to understand something of his character, something of his being. But we have these three persons. Each of them have all the attributes of personhood. They are not things, neither the Father, the Son, nor the Spirit. They are not impersonal forces. Each is a person with intellect, with emotion, and with will. Characteristics of personhood, each of them. And yet, each of them at the same time have all of the attributes of deity. Each is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, eternal. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Three persons, all with the characteristics of personality, personhood, and deity. The oneness comes in the fact that they are totally and absolutely unified. They are one in their love for one another. They are one in their character, in their purpose, and in their action. They are perfectly unified in those. And they can rightly be understood to be one. We understand the idea of unity in plurality. 
But one of our national mottos is e pluribus unum, out of many, one. We talk about a husband and a wife, the man and the woman becoming one. So we understand the concept of that kind of oneness. What we lack as human beings is we've never seen it function, whether it's in our homes, our families, our workplace, our friendships, our military, our organizations. We don't see that kind of oneness, that selfless oneness. But in the God of the scriptures, we see it. The Trinity should not be something we're embarrassed by or ashamed of. It's a wonderful, powerful truth that God is one. He has accomplished what we as human beings, because of sin, have been unable to accomplish, in that he is perfectly and entirely united in one. And guess what? You're going to see in John 17, when we get to that passage, you and I, God's people, are being brought into that oneness with the Father and the Son and the Spirit, and one with one another. It's an exciting, wonderful thought. It should not be something we're ashamed of or puzzled by. The reason it's brought out to me in this passage, it says, Father, bring glory to your name. That seems to be the only competition you ever sense between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. They seem to compete to see which one can bring more honor and glory to the other. The Father glorifying the Son, the Son glorifying the Father, the Spirit glorifying the Son, the Father and the Son glorifying and thanking and appraising the Spirit. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing to behold and something that should be more and more a characteristic of our lives, the oneness in Christ and the love for the Lord and for each other. Also, this Passover meal in chapter 13 now, he knows his hour has come to leave this world. And his last act is this act of selflessness and love and devotion to his disciples. He washes their feet. That image has always struck me. The king of the universe on the eve of his amazing sacrificial death does something so humble as to bow and wash his followers' feet. And they did not even understand what he was doing. He certainly didn't do it for what he was getting back from them. He did it simply as a token, as an expression of his deep love. Jesus came to glorify the Father and asked, he said, Father, be glorified. Your name be glorified. As I had mentioned that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the only competition among them seems to be who can glorify and honor the other more. How I love to see that. And I hope that becomes more of an attribute of a characteristic of us as God's people, that we honor one another, we prefer one another, and that we stay in the relationships and and work through problems because that is what honors the Lord when when people see us loving one another uh, the way the love that we've seen in the Godhead. See you next time. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndall House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.